Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Grateful to have you here for another episode where I welcome in Ashley Olafson as my guest today. She is a two-time published author, a TEDx speaker, and a social entrepreneur who is passionate about building inspiring businesses. She is currently the founder and CEO of Visionaria Consulting, which supports small businesses with her various consulting services. So a lot of great stories she shares throughout, especially the vulnerability around overcoming adversity early in her life um, and using that as, you know, that strength um, to kind of spark this new path that she's on. So really appreciate her coming on, sharing her story. And without further ado, my chat today with Ashley Olafson. Let's get it started. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about your journey a little bit. And and you're, what you're doing now, I think, is really cool. And, and what I really want to kind of go back further, because I know a lot of the stuff on this podcast, we talk with um, a lot of folks that have gotten started with a certain journey, and it's helping a lot of other folks that are on the similar path, but maybe maybe behind or haven't got started yet. And I like what you've kind of did. I, I, I was so intriguing, the stuff that you did, like in high school and going into college. I was like, man, that's, I never even thought of doing that, I guess. Um, so let's start here just for a quick kind of 30 second for folks um, to kind of get to know you a little bit. Tell them a little bit about what you're dealing with today, what you kind of work with, um, just so everyone has a little insight prior to jumping in. So right now I run Visionaria Consulting, which is your one-stop shop for all things small business. And we provide two main services. The first is for aspiring entrepreneurs. We do educational masterclasses and one-on-one coaching. And then for more established businesses, we provide behind-the-scenes support. So website design, SEO, copywriting, content creation, all that good stuff. Well, I want to start here first because doing some research or fact check me on this though, back in, I think you were 16, you kind yeah. of say you're like an accidental entrepreneur. Um, exactly. I had Kim, I had Kim Cop on a while back and she said the same thing. She kind of yeah. like fell into it, but at 16, why did you call yourself that? Or how did you get involved? Um, because I know yeah. a lot of folks back in high, you know, they're not, they're thinking about getting through school. They're not thinking about going on some unique path and, and trying some different things. So can you start there? Tell us a little about that yeah. story. So interesting. I even like the way that you framed it. And interestingly enough, I would say I was thinking about just trying to survive as were my female friends. And I noticed that all of my female friends and I were struggling so much with body image and self-esteem and unhealthy relationships and friendship drama and really just like a very low like uh, self-worth. And so you know, making it through every day, just like hating yourself and watching all your friends hate themselves too. I was feeling like something has to change. And my first thought was to team up with three of my best friends and give a workshop to a group of eighth grade girls on self-esteem, body image, and just start to have open and honest conversations about the insecurities we were all facing. And that was actually supposed to be it. I was just supposed to give this like one-time workshop And obviously it evolved into something a lot more that ended up being my entrepreneurial journey and career. But really initially I was just thinking about like, okay, how can I make things better for myself and also for the people in my community? 
if I can take a, a maybe you'll go one step deeper. I'm just more curious yeah, now. Why, why did you have body images? Why did you have issues with your self-worth? Is that, was that part of your upbringing or is that just in general, you kind of noticed that with the groups you were around? Totally. I mean, I think it was like kind of a combination of a lot of different factors. So I would say definitely um, like commentary from people around me was really painful. Um, I am like very short. I'm not even five feet tall. And when I was growing up, I was especially small and scrawny and a lot of people noticed it and I did get a little bit bullied for it. Um, and I mean, also just like constantly seeing images of what you should look like. And I would say the, the, the standard of beauty even more so was, um, very like tall, thin supermodels, which obviously as like a 13 year old or 14 year old, you know, you just don't look like that. Um, and then I think just like self-comparison and, uh, I think the, the insecurity was partially body image related, right? Because I really didn't like my body. I didn't like my thighs. I didn't like my size. I didn't like my eyebrows. But also there was a general feeling that I had of just like utter and absolute self-consciousness in my personality as well um, as everything else. That's what intrigues me the most. Yeah. Because how does someone that has so much insecurity, body image issues, those type of things, get up and speak in a workshop to people and get in front of people and talk yeah. to them? What, what did, how did you do that? Like, That's did you such a good question. I've never been asked that before. And honestly, I think it's two things, right? So first of all, I did theater uh, from seventh grade onwards. So that really helped me get comfortable. And people, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. And all my teachers were shocked because I was very shy and quiet in class and I didn't speak up. And so it was like shocking. But I theater was something that I was good at. And there wasn't a lot of things that I was good at. I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't good at playing instruments. I wasn't especially good at school or I felt like I wasn't really good at much, but I was good at theater, uh, at least like the acting side. I wasn't even good at the singing side, but that was enough for me. And then also, I think um, I saw when I was in sixth grade, there was a form spring. I don't know if you remember that, but it was basically like an online anonymous platform where everybody was very mean to each other, even though that wasn't the initial intention. And I remember girls came from the high school and gave us middle school girls an assembly. And I didn't even have a form spring. So I like wasn't even a part of it. But I remember feeling very inspired and wanting to be just like them because they were role models and they were honest and authentic and they just really stood out to me. Do you remember any lines from Romeo and Juliet? No, none. <laughs> That's a good I question. won't put you on the spot to uh, to play theater. Um, yeah, no, my days of theater are sadly long gone. But that was I it, that was one and done. Um, I stopped um, junior year of high school when I was working on my company, or senior year, I guess. Junior year was my last year. How did theater, um, actually, I'm circling one other thought here, which I'll get to, but how, how did theater, do you think, and, and curious if you remember this, from when you went in, obviously those insecurities were still there, most likely. Yeah. How did theater and being involved and being in front of people like that help? Like, do you remember after the production was done, like, 
did you feel better? Did you have more confidence? Like, was that, was theater a great outlet? You know, it's kind of like people say, Hey, if you have yeah. you know, trouble, uh, public speaking, go do improv because you kind of got to think on your feet and you're in front of people and stuff. So I'm curious if it's similar to, to theater. Well, for me, theater was just like an unbelievable community. And like, I remember it was the most accepting and open-minded group of people that I'd ever been exposed to. Um, I had friends that started coming out as gay when I was in seventh grade. And that, like in retrospect, seeing that kind of courage and openness and bravery must have just had such an impact on me because whenever somebody would come out or whenever somebody shared a large part of themselves in a very authentic way, it was met with like, just so much love and admiration and unconditional kind of support. And so I think like what I love so much about theater was partially the fact that like acting did build my confidence because I was good at it and people were complimenting me on it. And that made me, you know, like boost my self-esteem. But also just because the community was a bunch of kids who were just so kind and open-minded to each other for the most part. I love that word community. I, I was I was thinking over here, I have it circled as funny is my next question was going to be around your support system at that time. So in, in theater, maybe your answer or part of it, but what, who, who was besides, and let's go besides your parents, unless your yeah. parents were like the only ones, who else was kind of in that support system that you could reach out to? Was it other family members? Was it teachers? Did you, maybe it was like a best friend's parent. Yeah. Who was in that support system that really helped you kind of grow? Yeah. So I love this question because the answer is so easy for me because it was a teacher that I had when I was in eighth grade. She was my English teacher. She went on to become the vice principal of the middle school in my hometown. And she was who I went to when I wanted to give this workshop to middle school girls. And I mean, in retrospect, looking back, she could have very easily said no, that I shouldn't give a workshop because I was, I was 15 years old when I proposed the idea to her. And like, I wasn't a mental health professional. I had really no qualification to be speaking on such serious and sensitive topics. But instead, Mrs. Grady is her name. She looked at me and she just believed in me wholeheartedly. She said, we're going to make this happen. And she you know, teamed me up with guidance counselors that would come to my workshops to make sure that everything was like appropriate and handled in a appropriate professional way. But, um, her like unshakable belief in me was just like absolutely life-changing. Like I love her so much. Wow. That's pretty. And what was, so was, was, was there, I mean, you had obviously had a good relationship with her, it seems like. Yeah. Was there any, not pushback, but like question, like, what do you think you're doing? Kind of like doing like, how, how did that interaction go? How would, how did that approach go initially? Was there a certain way you approached her? I don't even remember. All I remember is that there was absolutely no pushback. She was just like in it immediately and so excited about the idea and thought that what my friends and I were going to do was so important and valuable and obviously, like, she was comfortable giving us suggestions and feedback, but she was 100% on our side. And, you know, honestly, I, I remember feeling such a sense of loyalty to her because actually the first workshop we went, uh, the first workshop we gave went very well. We gave two more workshops after that because we were asked to come back. Those went very well. Then we gave 
I teamed up with a girl named Lexi Phipps, who became my Move co-founder and my organization co-founder. Lexi and I gave our first ever Move workshop together. And after our first ever Move workshop, we actually got a parent complaint because the parent was expecting adults to be giving the workshop. And obviously, I mean, I was 16 at the time, maybe 17. Lexi was like two years younger than me. So, you know, very young. And so I remember Mrs. Grady called my home phone to tell me about the complaint. And Mrs. Grady was so deeply compassionate to me and was not like shaming me. And she was just so like, I'm on your side. I really felt like she was on my side and she was like encouraging me not to, you know, let this stop me. And, um, that was such a, like, that was such a huge moment for, of just like, uh, reassurance and encouragement, even when she was the one as the vice principal receiving the parent phone call. And the fact that she stood by me and continued to believe in me was very significant. Yeah, that's, and, and, you know, that's, I think when you look back, you know, I look at a couple of teachers as well that, and, and there were probably teachers I could have reached out to more because you, you just saw that rapport there. You saw that level yeah. of respect that I probably didn't, but I think that's something for everyone, especially listening in that are younger, that, you know, you can tell pretty easy if like a teacher really likes you and like wants to see you succeed. And, and that even if they push you, you know, some of the ones that push you a little bit harder are the ones that actually, you know, care a little bit more. So it's yeah. something, um, I, I know there's a lot of great teachers out there. So, and we can leverage them even more, um, you know, as we're, uh, as we're wanting to go forward with some stuff. So that's really cool. How did you know, and maybe you didn't know back then, but like, this was your mission. Like this was your purpose. You, and, and that you, again, you were going to be the one to deliver this. Um, how, when yeah. did you figure that out? So it's interesting because I think now, like I'm less clear on my mission. I think that my mission has probably changed, but at the time I, um, um, I had been just, uh, I had grown up, like I kind of mentioned, feeling like I wasn't especially good at anything. I wasn't good at music. I wasn't good at sports. Wasn't especially good at, you know, getting straight A's. I didn't really find anything that I was especially good at. And after I gave the first workshop, and I felt like, oh my God, I was really good at this. I felt this very overwhelming sense of purpose for the first time ever in my life. And I called it a God moment. I don't know how I feel about that now. I'm not as religious as I was, you know, when I was 15. But at the moment, it felt like a total God moment of just like stunning clarity. And I remember crying and um, I had just watched a video uh, by Dove Soap about self-esteem and I had watched the video a million times but this time when I watched it it just resonated with me resonated with me in a different way and I was like this is my purpose and I kind of felt like if nobody else was going to have the conversations that I wanted to be having then I would not because I was necessarily the best person to do it but just because literally I mean back in 2013 there wasn't conversation about body positivity or self-esteem or mental health. Like we've come, even just the past eight years, I think we've come so far. And now I don't think that I'm as like, I don't think that I'm like the best person to be speaking about it. So I've kind of like stepped down to allow other voices to be more elevated. But back in 2012, no one was talking about it. So I was kind of like, all right, I will be the one person in my community to kind of do it. Why do you think now you're not the best voice? Is that just because your mission changed and you just don't have the, um, hmm. 
you know, that, that you don't, you don't want to put all the energy into that? Or why, why do you think, is that a confidence thing again? I think it's a couple reasons. I think first of all, my interests have changed. I don't have the same passion or energy for like self-esteem and body image that I did before. My passion lies more in lifting up other voices that are, in my opinion, more appropriate. Like realistically, I'm white and I'm blonde. And that's a voice that we've heard talk a lot about body image. And I think it's, I just feel like it's more appropriate for other voices to be sharing. And if I can do a good job of like, you know, having guest speakers at my summer program, uh, then I want to do that because I've been saying the same things for eight years. I don't really have anything new to contribute. You know, um, I'm kind of bored by hearing myself talk about these things. Like I want to chase other things. I want to talk more about entrepreneurship and leadership and stuff that I've learned while running move. Whereas I I'm comfortable taking more of a backseat and helping other people use their voices to make a difference. I mean, I think that's a mature decision too, because a lot of folks want to be in the limelight. And you're taking a different approach of, as you're saying, lifting. I, I like that, you know, kind of uh, lifting up folks, because again, if you give them a voice, ultimately, you know, you feel like you're even doing good because maybe you can yeah. maybe get a lot of other people involved. That's really cool. What, um, so, and that's actually interesting because obviously we talk a lot about here about the mission, you know, I kind of, I call it the North star. Yeah. Know, yeah. Following that, that vision in the future. Um, have you, have you thought about a new mission? Like yeah, you, so defined, actually, you said you haven't defined it. You're less clear on it. Yeah. So uh, this is actually something that I'm like journaling on and working on in therapy because I feel like I had a very strong sense of self and purpose when I started move. Right. And when I was 16 years old and I feel now as though I've like outgrown aspects of myself because obviously I'm, I'm 23 now. So I'm not the same person that I was back then. Um, but it's been, it's been like, like, I guess I'm just less clear on a purpose or sense of mission. I know what I like doing. I know what I'm good at, at least for the time being, but I feel much more mellow uh, about the things that I'm doing, which I think is also probably just like maturity, you know, like I'm not 16 and bright eyed and have like a fire in my heart the same way that I did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out. I mean, I know I like working with women. I know I like supporting other people. I know I really am passionate about entrepreneurship and helping others get started. Um, but yeah, I'm reflecting on that. And I think also, I think a big part of my mission now that it wasn't before is I think I'm very relationship oriented. I think the relationships in my life are like the most important thing in my life uh, and equally as important as any kind of like ambition or goal that I have career-wise, whereas before I was very, very, I wanted to prove myself, you know? Yeah. I, I have to ask, and I don't mean to pry deep, but I guess man, I probably Go do mean it. to, I, might, I probably do mean to pry deep because I want other folks. And again, maybe this is part of maturity. Maybe you're the, you know, the exception, not the rule, but you're 23 years old going to therapy. Why yeah. Do you do, why do you choose to do that? Is that, I mean, obviously I'm assuming it's helpful or you want to keep going. Why did you make the choice to say, Hey, I need some additional folks to talk to, to kind of be yeah. a sounding board. I'm curious, uh, that direction. I love that question. And that's not prying. I think like, that's such a great question to kind of, uh, talk about something that I really care about and I really believe in. So honestly, like I go to therapy because I care about self-improvement, but 
truthfully, I have a boyfriend and I think that a lot of the times I go to therapy, not just for myself, but actually for our relationship, because the thing is anything that I don't really deal with or address, Jonah's just going to end up being the person that like suffers the consequences of it, whether I'm realizing that I'm like giving him the responsibility of like just any insecurity that I have, it's going to be up against him, you know, like, does that kind of make sense? So I'm like, I yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think Just it's par- I think it's partly um you know, one, I think there's a stigma around therapy. Yeah. And that's why I asked it because I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a little older, right? I'm 37. Um, yeah. even though I don't feel 37, uh, but you know, it's one of those things growing up um and I'm an older millennial, so like I think you, yeah, you yeah. start getting into the a generation above me and like therapy's like a no, we don't talk about going to therapy. Like it's kind of like a a very voodoo type thing. But I, I really think talking to people, unless you have mentors, you have other people to go through, sometimes you need to talk to someone to just yeah. get everything out. And honestly, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm divorced now. I mean, potentially, yeah. I mean, I don't know if our marriage would have lasted if we mm. even went to therapy, but I think that's something we should have done more and should have yeah. done earlier. Um, I totally. tell a lot of couples, a lot of, you know, whether it works out or not, Go yeah. do couples therapy even yeah. and go figure it out because there will be some some stuff that you guys don't agree on, you need to figure out, it's like putting a, uh, an, an action plan in place, you know, yes. like what happens if this, you know? Yeah. Well, and just like the way that I look at it is that therapy is a place once a week. I go every other week now. Cause I've been going for a while. So like, I feel like I feel like I'm better equipped to handle life. Um, but I feel like if you go every week or every other week, that's your time to check in with yourself. So like for the rest of the week, you can focus on your business. You can focus on whatever you need to. And then when you go to therapy, it's like, okay, this is my spot to like reflect on what I've been struggling with or an insecurity that's come up or just like something that happened that hurt me. And there's always stuff that like inevitably it can help us to work through. And also I really just feel like I've learned so much about self-compassion and I've learned so much about like how experiences I had when I was younger have impacted me. And like, it's made me a better communicator. It's made me a better girlfriend, a better friend, a better person. So, oh, and also, if you don't mind me adding, um, something that I want to say is I just posted on my Instagram story a couple days ago, um, how to find a therapist. And I offered anyone following me that I'd help them find a therapist. Because I know that that can be a really overwhelming, weird process. So for anyone listening, if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, I'm Ashley Olafson, and I'll help you find a therapist. It's really not that hard. We can do it together. Are you reading my paper? I have literally have this question right I was going to ask. That's good. <laughs> okay, so let's just ask, though, about finding one. Let's say you find a few. Like, how do you choose? Did you actually test drive, or did you just get some referrals in? Like- yeah. So, um, referrals are always really, really great. What I've done is you really just go onto psychology today, uh, com, and then you type in, um, your zip code and then you implement your insurance. And like, I personally like working with female therapists. So I put in that, if you have any other preferences, like maybe you have a specific issue that you're going to therapy for, you could do that too. And then you, you know, hit enter and it gives you all the therapists within your area. And then from there, you just send them an email and you say, Hey, I'd like to schedule a consultation, learn more about if we're a good fit. 
And normally, um, when I was doing my reaching out, luckily only like one of them could actually schedule a consultation with me. So I was kind of like, all right, this is it. And it worked out luckily, but I've had like therapists. I remember one that I went to when I was 16 that just didn't work out. And I just went to one session and like, that was it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I I didn't know how they did that with a, um, I did the same way. I kind of, I did a little therapy in the past and it was kind of like, Hey, who's in my network and whatever. But I'm curious if they, you know, like now with personality profiles and you get so specific, like, is there anything out there or maybe, maybe this is an idea for someone to like, so you can match up to actually someone, right? Um, Well, that's kind of what psychology today does is that it 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 doesn't match you, right? Like it just matches you based on location. So it could get more specific, but all the therapists have different profiles. So you can read through and like see what approaches you like. Uh, Like some of them, I'll look at the profile and it'll be like very like, I don't know, like spiritual or it feels like just very wordy. And and then others will be like very like, okay, we're going to come up with like action steps on like this, this, and this. And so you can read and figure out what's a good fit based on that. So that's why I think it's kind of fun, actually. Okay, that's good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Absolutely. I I want to talk a little bit about uh, your business. And the reason I want to talk about it is, obviously, you did move, right? You had Mm -hmm. this mission. And so that was seven-ish years ago, I guess, right? Yeah, and actually, I'm still running move. We, um, Oh, okay summer program now. So summer program supposed to be in August. I don't know if it'll happen because of COVID obviously, but yeah, we've, we've run the summer program every year since 2015. Okay. When did you decide though? And, and I'm not saying you had a start at that time, but when in your mind did you figure out, Hey, I want to start this business, this consulting business. And then what was the point between the idea of starting it and then actually starting it? How long did it take for you? Oh, to so actually- this is a funny story. So um, basically, I got my first ever full time job uh, in November of 2019, and I was working for a motivational speaker and coach, and I was doing all of her behind the scenes work, and I absolutely loved it. And then one morning. Uh, on Monday morning, I woke up and she told me that she didn't have any more cash flow in the business and she could no longer support me. So in a matter of minutes, I unexpectedly uh, completely lost my full-time job and income. And I was very uh, upset, obviously, because I hadn't expected to see it coming. And because, you know, I need like I I was living in Boston, you know, like rent is expensive. Like I can't just lose my job kind of unexpectedly. So anyway, I went to Jonah's, I took a depression nap as I call them. And then I woke up and I reflected and I was like, okay, honestly, the stuff that I was doing behind the scenes was really valuable. And there's probably a lot of people who would want to hire me for their behind the scenes support on a more freelance basis because they can't afford to pay someone full time. And I really feel like I stumbled upon this need. Um, And so anyway, from there, the next day I woke up, I applied to unemployment just to be safe. And then I started thinking about this idea and just ideating on it. And I am bipolar, which means I'm bipolar, I'm bipolar too. I'm like on medication and everything. But basically, when I'm manic, I get very impulsive. So when I have an idea, I'm always very careful because I don't know if I'm just being like impulsive and manic and like 
gonna be like destructive, I guess, and just like do something like impulsive and waste a lot of money, or if it's actually a good idea. So I tried to pace myself. But over the course of the next three weeks, I slowly every day made progress towards fleshing out this company, Visionaria Consulting, deciding on the name, deciding on the copy, eventually building a bank, you know, building the website and opening up a business bank account. And in the matter of three weeks, uh, I ended up posting about it and I got my first clients. And prior to, uh, to posting it, and the reason why I felt very confident that I wasn't being impulsive and that I was actually making a good decision was because I had secured five clients before I even launched my website. So I was like, I really am onto something and this is smart and there is a need and I'm not just being like reckless and impulsive and trying to avoid a full-time job, which would be totally reasonable. How did you get those first five clients? Were those, again, referrals, networking, or is that just posting online and people seeing it, friends sharing it? How, can you share that? Yeah, totally. So, um, uh, so interestingly enough, like um, a lot of them were really just people in my network that I was privately sharing with them. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. And they were like, oh, I need a website designed. Another woman posted on a Facebook group that I'm in saying that she needed someone with marketing support. I responded to her. Um, there's a really amazing platform called Girlboss and it's just phenomenal. It's basically like uh, like a LinkedIn, but more for like asks and offers. And somebody posted on Girlboss that they were looking to hire someone to help them with you know executive support behind the scenes. I responded, she was interested. The next person was my uh, good friend's cousin who needed help with, uh, he's a former elected official and he's a speaker. So he wanted to speak on college campuses. I have a lot of speaking background. It was seriously like, it was unbelievable. It made me feel really confident because I was not expecting everything to move so quickly and so in my favor. I feel very grateful. How did you know what to charge them? Is that from the past experience? Did that help or did you just make it up? Oh no. So literally this was my logic. It, it, it was really bad. Uh, I'm actually, I'll, I'll just say more on that, but basically I was like, okay, so I need to make like X amount a week, whatever. And I was like, all right, I've been nannying. I make $20 an hour for nannying. So it has to be higher than $20 an hour, probably like maybe 25, maybe 30, maybe 35. Like, I don't know. So I was like, I'm just going to start there. And then as people say, yes, I'm just going to gradually start increasing it. But the problem was everybody said yes so quickly that, that they wanted to work with me that I gave out really, really low rates that were just like not industry standard or appropriate whatsoever. So right now I'm like having all the conversations and being like, hi, so like I've realized that, you know, like um, I need to raise my rates because I want to sustain my business and I want to continue working with you and make this all work. But that was literally my logic for just like starting out and it's fine because now like all my rates are like, you know, like way more standard, like website design is like a hundred dollars an hour, which is like more standard, uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, it was definitely a process of learning. There's something else that I was going to say. Um, I don't know. That was my logic. It was definitely not, uh, well done at all. I could have benefited from some mentorship probably, but I did the best I could and I'm able to raise it now. So it's fine. So what would be your coaching them looking back on how, how would you have done it now having perspective? How would you have done it differently? Oh, well, um, I think like, I think it was fine that I did. 
I don't even know if I could have done it differently, honestly, because everything was happening very quickly. I think what I was going to say is one of the things that I'm actually grateful for is with COVID, everything slowed down and a couple of my clients put me on pause, which was actually really great because prior to COVID, everything was building very quickly and I wasn't prepared for the growth and I wasn't pricing myself accurately enough. So now um, with the kind of things slowing down, I've been able to like re-strategize and actually implement good systems and figure out better pricing models. The uh, conversation when you said, hey, I'm, I need to raise the rates. How did you broach that subject? Well, so this is great because I'm glad that you asked because my I didn't know anything like on how to have this conversation, but I asked my friend Hannah and Hannah gave me the language. I actually, I email a lot of my clients and I thought the email would probably be appropriate to just have, uh, to just put it out there because I didn't want to like take anyone by surprise or catch anyone off guard. Um, so what I ended up doing was I sent an email that basically said like, Hey, you know, I'd love to, um, talk with you about my rates. This is something that I've been thinking about and I really value your, feedback and opinion. I've enjoyed working with you so much. I really want to continue working with you. And I've learned that I should be charging X amount instead of X amount for the value that I'm providing. And I really want to make this again, sustainable for myself and you as well. So if you're interested in talking further, um, you know, or you want to keep the conversation going, I'm happy to jump on a call and discuss more with you. Um, but that was kind of how I framed it. So it went well the first time I did it and, uh, and she responded immediately and was like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Like she was like, no questions asked. Um, I did it for my second time this morning and I haven't gotten a response yet, but I'm not too worried because she could be busy. Um, but yeah, I was nervous, especially about, uh, I, like, I, it's also like hard to know what's the most professional way to represent myself while also I didn't want to put anyone on the spot. So well, I think part of it, you know, and this comes, you know, from a sales standpoint, I'll share is I, I, I'm a personal believer that obviously the real, you talk about relationships, how important they are. Yeah. I think the face-to-face, the the phone call is probably the most valuable. Yeah. You know, where, you know, where I might send an email and say, hey, hey I'm, I'm looking at my business and, and you could use the COVID stuff or whatever, but hey, I'm looking at my business and kind of figuring out, you know, kind of the next steps from a pricing and those type of things really value our relationship. Do you have five minutes to jump on a call? I'd love to pick your brain. I love that. And this way it's because, you know, sometimes email, my, what I've always found from email is things get lost in translation, right? The tone yeah. and everything. But if you, if they hear your voice and they hear the passion, like, listen, I really got to do this, but you know, I need to sustain a business. And I realized I, I lowballed it as I was getting through it. You know, if you see value, Hey, let, you know, and then you can, you know, so anyways, that might be something that helps. I love that. Yeah, no, that helps so much because um, I really do have like relationships with everyone, but um, but that's so helpful because this is never something that I've done before uh, or have like thought about before or have known what to do so that I sincerely appreciate any guidance or language. Yeah. So 
Thank you it's for that. Because again, you know, I've had a lot of years of just getting like, you know, rejection and no's and whatever, and then having obviously great relationships and understanding like, where's the good and bad of it. And like I said, I, I found like, you know, I kind of take the, uh, the radical candor approach, like very direct, very upfront, very honest. And that's just how I am as a person. And I found like, that's how you get the most out of people anyways. That's, yeah. that's the conversations they want to have. And I think it helps you build to that lasting relationship with this person. Um, because it, and it's, I think sometimes too, though, it tells you a little bit of like, were they invested in the, the, the partnership that you have and your help with them? Or was it just like, Hey, I'm just getting her to do some work for a few hours and then, you know, I'll do something else because the, if they're like, Oh no, you know, I, I appreciate this. We want a long-term, you know, kind of thing. Then you guys can negotiate and work it out. So. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's super smart. I really, really, really appreciate that. Cause like I said, like I've never heard about this before and no one's ever really talked to me about it. I've heard a lot about like negotiating salary, you know, cause like colleges will talk to you about that. But in terms of like raising your rates to freelancer, definitely a harder, less spoken about thing. So thank yeah, you for that. Absolutely. And by the way, too, you, those first few clients, you may give them a, a break anyways. Hey, you're first in the door. I'm thinking of raising. Either way, I'm not going to raise your rates until 2021, but I just want to get your thoughts on where I should go with it because, hey, the next five clients are going to be at a, the better level or the higher level. And totally. this way, hey, since you were in the door first, you supported me early on. Maybe you give them a break for the next six. You know, So there's different ways you can do it. It's your business. That's what's cool about it. You can run it how you want. Um, how did you, um, well, let me ask you the first is I'm really big on habits. I'm really big on structure because yes. I know you kind of fly all over the place, you know, you know, things get out of sorts. When you started this business and obviously you said you had to do it really quick. What are some habits that you've put in play? Um, maybe that'd become habits, I guess, to really make sure you had your most productivity and yeah. didn't just waste energy and time. So actually one of the habits that I'm working on, and this sounds kind of silly, but it's actually working a Monday through Friday schedule consistently. And I actually work, I would say I work half a day Sunday, Monday through Thursday, full days, and then the morning on Fridays. That's kind of like what my week looks like. Um, but I am not used to working in like a full-time capacity. I'm used to balancing a lot because, you know, before I was, I was, uh, a college student and I was working a part-time job and running a business. And then after graduating, I was still running my business and I was nannying and working at a nonprofit. So I've never just done like one thing consistently. And so it's been very challenging and also really like incredible to like get into to just be more disciplined about my work schedule. And I still take like some breaks during the day. Um, like I have, you know, like lunch with my sister. Sometimes we'll go on a walk in the afternoon, but I'm really just trying to be super disciplined about like doing a full work day as opposed to like doing like half a day and then going and doing something else. Cause I'm just not used to it. Are you one that likes to work like you break up like by hours or, or client meetings? Or do you say like, hey, this chunk of time I'm only doing, you know, web development? Is there a certain way you figured it out? So I am really big on intuition. So what I do is I'll make myself a to-do list every morning of everything that I need to accomplish that day. And then I'll just go in whatever order I'm feeling like I want to accomplish this. What about you? What have you found to be a good strategy? Yeah. So I, I, for a while I did similar where like I put a list together 
kind of five to six, you know, um, yeah, things that totally. I got to get done. And what I've tried to do is really eliminate a lot of the wasted effort. Like I used mm-hmm. to be one times at, you know, at, at my sales role, like, you know, especially if it's a later stage client, they email me, I'm going to get back to them pretty quickly. But most other stuff, I'm kind of waiting to one or two other points of the day to actually respond to emails versus I used to just like, oh, email come in, let me look at it, let me respond. Or message comes in, let me look at it. And I try to take away that, you know, um, unfocused time and actually put it back the the energy. But yeah, that's pretty much, I I like that, you know, the way you put it, but that's kind of how it was. Hey, five to six things, let me get them done. What I've also noticed is chunking out time can work. Yeah. Activity. So, hey, for 60 or 90 minutes, this is only, I, you know, I'm putting my phone down, I'm hyper-focused, I'm getting it done. Um, so that's worked as well for me, but I'm still testing and trying. I'm, I'm you know, I'm one of those two, like, in, as, as I kind of joke, I, I call it my renaissance period the last four or five years or, or a little longer. Like, I'm really, I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it and what works for me now may not work for me, um, you know in six months. So I got to keep, you know, being open to retool, if you will. Yeah. Always like listening to that intuition and doing the best for you for where you're at. Yeah. Well, and, and I think projects in general, right? There's certain projects you're more passionate about. You want to spend more time on, you want to be more particular. There's others where you could be half asleep with a cup of coffee and, and get done yeah, with yeah. it. So it just depends too. I think time of day, you know, sometimes you, you like client meetings, you might say, Hey, I want to be my freshest for the client meetings. Well, generally that's going to be in the morning or late morning. You start getting the early afternoon, you know, the energy dip happens. Um, mm-hmm. So there's all, and there's a lot of you know research on that stuff. So again, you, you might position meetings a certain way. So I think there's some cool, you know, time management is one of those things where now we want to do so actually I just wrote a blog article on this. Like we want to do so much that yeah. we, we, we think we need to get it done. And one of the things I, I actually talk about, I'm curious at your age, because you have a different perspective, right? Being 14 years younger is prioritization. I think there's so many things that we want to do, but what I do is I kind of stack rank. I have my top five or six priorities in life, Mm -hmm. and that's how I make decisions on, do I do this or do I do that? And Mm -hmm. what I used to do in the past was just, nope, I'm just going to do whatever, and then you start the things that are the most important. Like my son is number one on the list. You know, I have a, he's almost eight, like that, that trumps anything. But if you get, if I get rid of that, or if I I get away from that and like, Oh, well, yeah, I'll hang out with them another time. I want to watch this TV show or something. Well, that doesn't match up with my priorities. So that's been also helpful. And it's made me take a lot of the wasted effort of sometimes TV watching or watching, you know, now you can't watch sports now, but you know what I'm saying? Like those type yeah, of things yeah, where they're yeah. fun and some entertainment, but at the end of the day, they weren't allowing me to hit certain goals um, and certain things I wanted to do. Do, do you prioritize at all like that or? Yeah, totally. Cause I think like, I think the word that I think about more is like what I value and then I'll prioritize what I value. So it's like the same exact thing. Like I prioritize relationships probably pretty much above everything else. And then probably second is like work because I enjoy it. It gives me a sense of, you know, purpose and then maybe time for myself. That's probably like recharging myself mm-hmm. would probably come third. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's a good conversation. I think that, and that, that's why I was that, that kind of self-awareness piece, you know, you're going to be different than I am. So it, you don't yeah, have yeah. to have the same list or whatever, you know, but it's like, what makes you happy? What makes you fulfilled? Where do you want to go in life? And ultimately that's how it helps you. I think make the decisions to turn the dial in the right direction, you know? 
Um, all right. So I want to ask that. I, well, because again, you're you're younger, so that you actually have a better perspective on this. But being only you know x amount of years out of it, what did you, what did you think was true? Maybe in your teenage years that now you realize is like, why the heck did I ever think? Yeah. Because we have all these preconceived notions because of our upbringing that are just totally untrue. So I'm curious what you've uncovered um, that maybe you've learned from. So I would say that the biggest thing is I thought that conflict was a really bad thing, like in just like any and all circumstances. And then like when I started like having my first serious relationship with Jonah and like conflict came up, I was so horrified because I was like, Oh my God, like this is horrible. This must mean that like everything is going to end and on and on and on. But uh, actually like what I've learned is that conflict in business and relationships and like any area of your life is totally, totally normal. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's inevitable. Um, and there's like a really healthy way to communicate and to like work through things. And when you say conflict, are you talking about like tension or are you talking about actually like there's an argument, you know, screaming at each other? Like what, all yeah, the Yeah, no, Jonah and I have never screamed at each other. That's good. Like, That's good. Literally, like literally just like tension, like, like even like a problem. Like I would count mm-hmm. a problem as conflict. Okay. Like that was my understanding. Like any problem that you have, any sense of tension, anything that isn't good or like very good in like business or relationships it's a, it's bad. It's bad news. So I had to like rework that and be like, okay, that isn't really realistic. Like there's going to be conflict that I have with business partners, conflict that I have with relationships, stuff like that. Just a matter I, of how I work. I, I want to, before I ask uh, one more kind of decent big it. question, if I can, um, which I think will be very valuable for folks. I want to ask about quickly about your but you you have two published books. Did I yes, see that? Yes, I do. And yep. you did you did a TEDx talk? I did. So I, I'm just curious. One, how did that TEDx happen? Did you get yes. asked? Did you have to do some reach out? And then two, the published books. Why did why the heck did you decide to publish books? And how did you go that process? Well, I think the books was similar to Move, where it was like, okay, if nobody else is talking about it, I will. When I wrote my first book um, about all the things that I was experiencing as a young woman. Um, I was reading to research for MOVE and everything that I was reading was either parenting books uh, about how to parent teenage daughters who are confident. And then it was like super feminist, intellectual literature that high school girls just probably weren't going to be reading. And I was like, okay, so we need something in the middle. So then I wrote Survival of the Prettiest and I self-published for that as well as my other one on entrepreneurship. And in terms of the TEDx, I was presenting at a, it was like a technology fair of sorts. It was something that someone in high school, a mentor of mine said that I should attend. So I was like, all right, I didn't, it like didn't super apply to me, but it also like didn't not apply. Like Anyway, I went to this technology fair. It was at Burlington High School in Massachusetts. And the woman who was coordinating it was also coordinating a TEDx event for Burlington High School. So she asked me if I would participate. And I was like, oh my God, like, can't even believe it. Um, so it just came down to networking, I guess. With the, with the books, is there any, anything that you learned from the self-publishing route? Um, I'm assuming you use Amazon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Any, um, any, I learned, hiccup, any hiccups in that process you'd share for us that are going to self-publish? Yeah, for sure. So first, um, getting the cover photo is going to be so obnoxious uh, if you don't do the requirements in exactly the right way. So just get really familiar with the book cover requirements or else you're going to have to like resubmit like three or four times. The other thing that I learned is like I am I, I, I'm probably a little bit better at it now, but I'm not a really good marketer. Uh, I'm, and the problem with self-publishing is that it's all like self-promotion, uh, and you know, like you're marketing it yourself. And I didn't even, I thought that like you just published the book and that was it. I had no launch strategy. I had no marketing strategy. I was just like, we have to get this out there. And then I got it out there and like, you know, like people in my town bought it, my friends bought it, whatever, but like it never went beyond there. Like I've made no money off of it, even though it's a really great book. Um, so yeah, I think having a launch strategy and knowing that you actually need to create something and that like, it's not over when you publish it, it's just getting started. That's huge. Um, and the TED, the TEDx talk, one more question on that. I'm assuming you talked about move or that the body image stuff, is that your topic? So I talked about why media diversity is really important and just why it's super important to have like all different kinds of people represented. Did you, um, how did you prepare for that? Were you, were you nervous going in? Not very. I mean, like I was nervous cause it was like a big deal. Right. But I wasn't, I was like, I was prepared. I'd been working on it and I had been like, I, I scripted everything out and I had my slides. Like I had been really, I took it very seriously because TEDx is like such a special thing, you know, and I couldn't believe I felt so honored. So I took it very seriously. Okay. And I'm, I'm assuming, did you take some components? Cause you had spoken a lot prior to that, right? Um, yeah. That I'm assuming that helped that, that practice. Yeah. But I, I wrote the speech completely from scratch. Like I wrote, I pretty much, like I am not, I'm a good public speaker. I was not good at, um, I basically would rewrite every single speech that I ever gave. Like I was not effective in terms of like, okay, this is going to be my one talk. Anytime I spoke, I would customize it exactly and specifically for whatever needs, which is like a lot of time. And I was not making enough money for all the time that I was rewriting, but like you live and you learn. Yeah. And I got other things instead. How many times did you practice that speech prior to going on stage? Oh, at least a couple of times. I have um, three younger siblings and two of them are my sisters. And oh. my sisters uh, would always sit in my room and I'd read it to them and they'd like take notes and then give me feedback. They'd time it. <laughs> so uh, quite a few times and they were very instrumental. That's really cool. Speaking That's of other people who have like supported me in my endeavors, back going back to when I was talking about Mrs. Grady, my sisters have definitely been some of like the kindest, most supportive people uh, just throughout everything. Okay. Well, maybe this is advice for them if they're younger, um, as you <laughs> said, or maybe I, I like to go back, you know, now you're, you're again, you're not you're not old, but if you have to go back to your 18-year-old self, 16-year-old self, kind of go back in time. But here's the caveat. You only have a post-it note size that you could write on. Mm -hmm. What are you writing on it? What, what are you trying to tell your younger self um, yep. to help maybe get them ahead quicker? So I would tell them to read when things fall apart because that book conveys so much wisdom and just like 
unbelievable life-changing advice that that would be amazing if I had read that book sooner. The way the book is called When Things Fall Apart. Yes. Who, Very who wrote, good. Who wrote it? It's Emma Chodron. She's like a Buddhist woman. She's really amazing. It's called When Things Fall Apart. And then it's the subtitle is Heart Heart Advice for Difficult Times or something like that. I don't know. It's amazing. Okay. It's like the best book that I've ever read. Oh wow. Okay, cool. That's a, that'll that'll fit on a post-it note. That'd fit yeah. on a good job. Yeah. Um, cool. Actually, where can everyone find you online? Where they can, where can they connect with you? Um, visionariaconsulting.com or my Instagram is at Ashley Olafson, O-L-A-F as in Frank, S-E-N. This was phenomenal. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for joining. I had a ton of fun as well. Thanks so much for having me. This was, you asked really great, great questions. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you all for joining in on another episode, or if this is your first one, I appreciate you being here and certainly grateful for the listen. Uh, come back and check another guest out. we got some great ones coming up as well. And if you guys don't mind, I'd love a review on Apple if you have 15 to 20 seconds. You might even be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, so you can just scroll down to the bottom and go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It only gets us out to more people, and you know, I'm a big believer that all the different experiences that we have in our own journeys If we share those together, if we get those out, it might encourage other people to take that leap of faith, step outside their comfort zone, and ultimately achieve fulfillment in their life. So I look forward to connecting with you guys online as well. Uh, My website, brianondraco.com. Hit me up on a note there or Instagram and Twitter at brianondraco. Besides, I'm out on LinkedIn as well if you just search my name. So hope to connect with you guys real soon. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.